and but she would also introduce her co-host to romance novels every time she would get a certain number of points in their, like their weekly quiz. I'll be honest, I was actually pretty impressed with a lot of the stuff that the facts on romance novels, the first of all, the, the volume of them that run through our bookstores is shocking. Just like the popularity of them is off the charts. And I don't know, it, it really kind of turned me around to this idea like, okay, I guess it doesn't just have to be one thing. You know, just like a, like a sci-fi movie doesn't have to be one thing. A romance novel doesn't have to be one thing. I've softened my, my hard heart on romance novels just a smidge, but I'm probably still not going to read one. But if you guys want Al to read one, please send us in your recommendations here. Of course you hit record. You monsters. (laughs) (laughs) Well, come on. When's the the next time I'm going to hear you go on a a long speech about romance novels? I had had to record that for posterity. So one day you can have your daughter listen and go, oh, (laughs) my father is dispensing wisdom. I must pay attention. Um, Yeah. So anyways, uh, romance novels, it's a good time to talk about that. As we're having Thanksgiving week here in the U.S. And we're reviewing a Halloween movie. So I don't even know what time of year it is. November is, of course, the spookiest month. Yes. (laughs) I'm watching a lot of Christmas movies. And Thomas is here. And anytime he's here, he's tall and willowy. And so I think of Arbor Day. And (laughs) every Australia, it's just stay alive month as usual. Yeah. <laughs> all 12 months man you yeah. celebrate just by making it to the new day that's good that's good <laughs> well uh we are missing heather tonight and that's that's a shame maybe she's reading some romance novels um or she's just taking a, a well-deserved she night would off. fight you over that i think she probably would but- she hates romance <laughs> stuff <laughs> I like a good romance movie once in a while, but it's got to have something extra. It's got to be, you know, like really funny on the side or some really good characters or, um, you know, it's got to be have a nice science fiction blowout fight in the middle. Something, something, you know, alien bursting from somebody's chest at some point uh, to to be able to take that. So (laughs) snakes on a plane, even who knows. But that's not what we're here to talk about. We're here to talk about season Three, episode five, horror fiction, and seven spooky steps. Uh, I'm just going to kind of move past the title there and uh, say we're going to go from last episode where we were all about a the crew going to a party to this one where the crew is going to a party. So I guess they're really in their lane here, uh, as, as we're going to see. So, yeah, we had Halloween. Did you guys dress up at all? Can we share that this year? Do you have any sort of costumes we can report? I actually did uh, for a video I was a part of. I dressed up as a vampire this year, um, which was cool. But the I don't know if you guys have ever tried to do the vampire teeth thing. But, man, I tried a bunch of different pairs of vampire teeth. And none would stay in. And then trying to get them to stay in. So I even tried like um, blue tack and then denture cream. I was going to say, <laughs> did you use like the old, old denture? <laughs> yeah, I tried some denture cream, but it wouldn't actually stick to the teeth. It just stuck to my teeth. And then it was horrible. And then I couldn't get that out. And then just ended up just not doing any of the fake teeth. I've got quite some some pointy like... What do you call them? Uh, those front teeth incisors. In anyway, yeah, exactly. So, so I I think I got away with it. 
Could you like put a couple chopsticks hanging out of your mouth like a walrus and do those kind of? <laughs> that would have been better. Go... <laughs> Less denture cream on your teeth. Uh, wow, it made me wonder cool. how they did it in this episode. Actually, we see like Jeff with a with a bit. I wonder if it was um. I don't know I think if it that was, was CGI. CGI. It was done pretty well. <laughs> I was going to say there's some pretty bad CGI there, but. Uh... How did you get a costume going this year? Uh, a little bit. My daughter wanted to go as Doc McStuffins. So she was up decked out as Doc McStuffins. We had a trunk retreat where we turned our trunk into a doctor's office. Um, she is a, uh, Dis- a Disney Junior doctor who is like six years old and fixes stuffed animals. So we did that. And uh, my wife and I were her assistants. So we had pretty boring Halloween costumes just to go uh-huh. along with the theme. Uh, we thought for a moment we might dress up as the giant lamb in a tutu and the giant blue dragon that follows her around, but um, we were not that ambitious. So, Doctor Scrubs, it was. You know, that's it's still that's still good. So okay. I think we pulled it off enough for the three year olds. A, a couple years ago, I, I really started to latch onto the idea of um, Halloween costumes that you just kind of like big bulky like exosuits that you just like slip over whatever you're wearing i really like that um so i started to get them every now and then and this year i was a giant milk carton (laughs) it's awesome because it folds flat and then you can just like put your arms through it and your head's out the top and there's a straw and the side (laughs) of it's like you know have you seen this missing kid kind of thing and uh it was good because i was also doing a trunk retreat and it was like zero degrees outside so i needed to wear a super heavy coat and um that worked so you know i i did a a harry potter trunk and i was a a milk carton so i don't think these two things went together at all but uh if i had thought ahead i would have been hagrid and just done big bulky coats and everything and maybe with my with my stature gotten like you know a, a two-foot lift on my feet but well that's it was you were harry potter and the calcium deficiency <laughs> harry potter and the fat-free lactate uh yeah it feels like in this episode they really did not commit to the costumes it was like some of the characters had them i was i was weeping in frustration that britta was denied a costume this year for whatever reason, unless her costume was just shapeless gray leotard thing. Um, well, I feel like they did two seasons of really good costumes. Yeah. So I don't blame them for wanting to change it up a little bit. That makes sense to me. Yeah. I mean, Abed was, uh, what, Professor, oh, I'm sorry, Inspector Space Time, right? Yeah. And uh, Troy, I think, is doing Maniac Cop. Oh, I thought he was like the, the constable that was with... Or the constable. It could be. The only reason I'm saying Maniac Cop is because the notes that Amazon Prime popped up said he was Maniac Cop. I'm like, yeah, that does look like that character. But you're I think, Al, you might be far more right than Amazon in this case. Suck it, Bezos. Yeah. (laughs) Jeff is what? uh, Fast and Furious. One of those guys doesn't know (laughs) what, which one doesn't care. I like. He's like, I don't watch that crap. <laughs> he just wants to look hot for the girls. And the only other person who has a really notable costume is the dean, who comes in as a as a witch, which I guess was okay. But um, I noticed this because I, I know we watch the background a lot, but especially in the first scene, we see people kind of milling uh, their way to and fro the party, 
and it's like the same two people dressed up in a very bad costume and you keep seeing them pass back and forth and back and forth and back and forth and i, I felt like the, the background extras they really did not splurge a lot for yeah i saw there was like a guy in a sombrero and a king and, and i think some somebody really like vibrant neon mismatched yeah I don't know, like like triangles or something it was yeah i mean know, i guess it's fuzzy you know i guess as an extra you're not really supposed to take away from the the lead cast so That's i guess true. did you catch the Betelgeuse though oh well how you know let's i'm sorry i'm we're jumping ahead let's <laughs> let's pause on the Beetlejuice, 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 and let's 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 contact thomas and see if he'll do a a summary for us because I think Heather is somewhere going, you fools, you must do the summary first. <laughs> and that's my fault. So go for it, Tom. Fair enough. Let's do it. Um, yes, indeed. We are up to season three, episode five. This one's directed by Tristram Shapiro and written by Dan Harmon. And it's Halloween again. And Britta is having a pre-party party in the study room. But it doesn't take long for things to get spooky. And... Not just because the Dean has very deliberately rigged the lights to flicker all month long, but also because the results are in from Britta's anonymous personality tests, and they show without a doubt that one member of the study group is a homicidal maniac. But which one? Britta decides to tell them all a horror story and gauge their reactions, but Abed doesn't like her story and tells his own extremely logical horror story and before you can say anthology episode the whole study group get to share their own horror stories from annie's romantic vampire werewolf story to troy's recounting of a couple of cool top gun pilots meeting mad scientist pierce to pierce's weird sexual power fantasy story to shirley's rapture story where she's the only one who gets to go to heaven uh, eventually, Britta reveals the test results to the group and they all get quite worked up and to calm them down, Jeff tells a story about a murderer played by Chang who just needs a hug. Then Annie realises Britta scanned the tests upside down, so Britta redoes the test results and it turns out that all but one of them is crazy. They agree not to find out who it is so they can all assume that they're the same one. And honestly... As the only sane person on this podcast, I can relate. That's what happens on this episode of Community. Dang. Did not think I'd be burned by a summary, but yeah. <laughs> I am put in my place. Chops it's all facts in the summary. You can't podcast. argue with any of it. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Now you can talk about the Beetlejuice thing. Go ahead. Yeah, Beetlejuice is there. <laughs> it's so background really i mean well it's clever suppose it's supposed to be clever because they have i didn't know this until i read it online but they said beetlejuice once in season one and then once sometime in season two and this is the third time so when annie says beetlejuice there's someone in the far background behind the window who walks past and i never would have noticed it if i didn't read about it online did you guys notice it yeah it's pretty famous little bit <laughs> Yeah, I only know it because of the internet. That's one of those things where I go like, oh, okay, that's really neat. But I think you would only ever notice that if somebody involved in the show didn't start a whisper campaign right? about this thing that they did. Like, it, it is technically an Easter egg, but I 
feel like it, they're trying very, very hard. Yeah, I, I, I admire when people work ahead for gags. I think we really saw that in like um, Arrested Development, some of the setup that they would do sometimes a season or two in advance. And it makes you like kind of be in awe later. And you're like, whoa, you know, like you really set that up. And it was kind of cool to finally get that payoff to a thing that you didn't even know was being set up. And it does make like additional rewatches more fun. This one may be a little bit more subtle. It kind of makes me compare it to the um, Abed delivering the baby episode in the background. That was more interesting to have, you know, going on in the background. It's kind of more self-contained too. Uh, this one was, you know, it's it it's cute. It's I I don't know. It's it's fine. I think it just kind of shows that like maybe it, maybe it is a little back padding for the writers to be able to say, hey, look how clever we are. And, <laughs> but it is kind of clever. So I do, I do appreciate it though. Like I, I appreciate that the production crew is so invested in this show that they're going to do a three season joke that nobody will ever see unless they tell people it's there and crossing their fingers that they'll get to season three, which was never <laughs> a sure for the community. That's right. So yeah, we get this pre party that apparently Britta is the one setting it up because uh, if Annie was setting it up, it would actually be good. In this case, I love how it starts in. in the, we're starting on the snacks, and these are just the worst snacks. They're empty taco shells and a bowl of Fruit Loops and a bowl of Lucky Charms and Shirley's deadpan. I'll ask again. Are you sure I can't bring anything? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe Shirley's best line of the episode right there. Yes. Yeah, uh, I know they're trying not to enable her with the baking, but even even her pies would be better than empty taco shells. Uh, it feels kind of like 3.30 in the afternoon when I really, really want a snack. That's what's going to end up on the desk behind me. Yeah. <laughs> Cheerios, I mean, was, taco was, shells. <laughs> was Britta doing this out of like a... Does she have like a, some sort of greater plan? Was she going to break all these test results on them? And and then that's why she kind of came up with this party, or did she come up with the party and then later? I I kind of got the feeling this was like her not so subtle plan to confront people. But it, it as we're gonna, I, I think we're gonna talk about this. It doesn't feel like that the episode really solidifies around this plot line so much as just loosely orbits around it. Yeah, I I I think that's right too. That she this was her plan. And this is why they're having the pre-party. But uh, in that case, it is a terrible plan and she hasn't thought it through, which is classic Britta. She's so. Britta. It is. Yeah. See, and actually, I'd like to think that she actually has thought this through. This wasn't <laughs> like, a, I figured this out at four o'clock today. This was, I realized this a week ago. And this is a week of planning, if you're Britta. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because it's not like you can buy uh, Fruit Loops and Lucky Charms on campus, you know, to... She, she had a brought, brought them, so maybe that was just the contents of whatever she had in her pantry at home, and she just kind of winged it. I get the impression calling it a pantry is generous. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> I like when they talk about the pre-party. Uh, Pierce says, well, sometimes I think you young people are just making this crap. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, Pierce, you know what? I'm on your side. Right <laughs> yeah. Most relatable Pierce content. Probably. Right. <laughs> yeah, we, we definitely had a younger family member over for dinner over the weekend. And she told my wife her cooking was straight bussing. And I said, I, whoa, 
Yeah, which, A, I mean, good for my wife and good for me. But, um, yeah, it definitely took me out of the conversation for a minute and said, like, I think she made that up. I think I think she's inventing language. I'm writing that down. I'm going to challenge myself to say straight that in bussing? my life I've heard in the next couple of weeks. Before. Have you? See, yeah, I guess yeah. you have older kids than I do. So, straight yeah. Bussing. Straight bussing. Bussing. B-A-U-S-S-I-N. Okay. Uh, I have to... Straight. Uh, it means extremely good, <laughs> like straight ahead. Yes. <laughs> yeah. she, if she had said that to you, wow, this meal was streets ahead. You'd be like, oh. then she'd become my favorite relative. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I used to when I was a specific, especially when I was working with teenagers. I was always one of my favorite things was to kind of watch the development of language and especially the slang that would kind of come and go because it would come and go so fast. You almost it almost isn't worth keeping track of because, you know, in another year or two, it's going to be gone. And the only people using it will be old people like myself <laughs> who want to sound cool, but absolutely can't. So the only reason I keep track of it is I wait five years and then I start using it. So then I can use it kind of ironically and just have a lot of fun with it. <laughs> nice. So, you know, Thomas is totes adorbs, you know. He's... <laughs> I used to have a kid back in the 90s. He was like, hey, Pastor Justin, represent. And I'm like, hey, represent, man. <laughs> See, but that, the scary thing with that is if you start using it ironically and you mm. do it too much because now it's passe, it then just becomes a thing that you do. Like finger guns. I started doing finger guns in like oh, no. the late 90s because I thought it was really funny. And now I've just 20 years later become a guy who does finger guns. It's just the mm. thing that I do with my hands now. Yeah. And then you got to watch out because then your kid will watch you and be like, that's my role model. I must Ugh. do that too. Yeah. This is a scary episode. Mm-hmm. Thomas is learning from us. We must be better role models. <laughs> I'm, I'm r- writing everything down that you guys said. Don't, don't have Britta as your role model because apparently her playlist is nothing but what um, the Beetlejuice soundtrack and NPR podcast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I have Michelle Norris interviewing Errol Morris. Don't worry. They, they address it. it. Yeah, they address it. I love that Britta just exists in her own world. And it's just, it's a, it, it's an interesting world, but, and she's fascinated by it and nobody else's, uh, but she is just enthusiastic. I love people that can just be themselves and, and be happy, even though they're being complete dorks about it. So, you know, good on her, I guess. <laughs> uh, but I do like that one little interchange where she's like, Jeff, can I have a quick conversation with you? And Jeff says, doubtful, but I support the dream. <laughs> he knows Britta pretty well by now. So, And then uh, you got Annie sit dancing, which was a cute little moment of physical comedy there. Uh, but the whole thing is Britta, Britta tells Jeff that out of these test results, one of their friends is deeply disturbed. Uh, <laughs> it's extreme, Jeff. Like a Dorito? A sociopathic Dorito. A cool ranch lunatic. <laughs> Uh, she knows she's being made fun of and she just plows ahead anyways that's our Brita so I think the best laugh that I got out this entire episode was that whole lights flickering interchange you were talking about 
Oh my goodness. When he, Jeff is going back and forth with the Dean about, you know, I've rigged up this lighting to be more spooky. He's like, it's been going on all week. A spooky week. <laughs> Does that mean it'll start? It'll stop tomorrow? It's All Saints Day! I <laughs> <laughs> uh, didn't realize how much I'd missed the Dean because it's he, we haven't seen him in a couple episodes, have we? But when he showed up, I was like, "Yes, Dean in an yeah, outfit." Trick or he Dean. He really only gets like two bits in this episode, and they're both really good. Yeah, yeah like he he just they let him go all out, and then he's a little bit like Chang. Use him sparingly, and he just will knock you down. But I think unlike Chang. The Dean kind of grows into a more, they're able to wield him into longer and longer plot lines sometimes. And you, you can take that sometimes. So I am disappointed we didn't get to go to the, the party, party that's happening in the cafeteria. Would have been great. This is the first time I've ever watched this episode and caught the line where Troy says, I hear the Dean's got free taco meat from the army. It's called oh, back yeah. to last year, right? Yeah. But they had their memory wiped, so it's happening yes. again. <laughs> and so he has that scene of meat. And I went like, how have I never heard that line and really paid attention to that before? That's but, so clever. That's good. But instead of going to the real party uh, or the puppy parade, we're stuck in the room. And Britta makes them tell scary stories. Uh, so, I, I don't know. I guess we could go just like story by story here. Again, it feels like coming hot on the heels of last week's episode where we had seven short vignettes. And now we've got another bottle episode with seven short vignettes centered around a party. It feels like there's unfortunate comparisons that I, I, I don't think the episode really wanted to make. I don't know if this was unintentional that they were hoping to have a different episode order as we talked about, but. Oh. Yeah, I, I do think it does this episode a bit of a disservice because last episode was so, you know, was so perfect that it they echo each other for sure. But I also feel like they do a good job flavoring this one in a very different way. Yeah, it's a, it's a different way to tackle a Halloween episode where, yeah, having people sit around telling stories. It's something we sometimes do, usually around a campfire. I mean, this is more of a summer camp kind of thing. But, you know, hey, why not? Although uh, I having Britta start your scary story is probably not the way you want to go because she's the worst storyteller, which ironically makes the funniest story. I love, <laughs> I love how she just doesn't care and she's just quickly trying to go through it. And it's so generic. And so uh, he has a hook, hook, hook thingy for a hand, she says. Um <laughs> Yeah, and the, and the end result of all of that is just Abed. You know, Abed, how does that story make you feel? Embarrassed. And everybody <laughs> nods. <laughs> yeah. still, still better than a lot of horror movies, though, we get these days. I'm just going to say that. It's true. I know British story is great because they're playing everything 100% straight. Mm-hmm. But every single line of dialogue is just ridiculous and half-assed yes that's the phrase there you go circle gets a square good job al so yeah we go from brita's story which is yeah just a slipshod generic urban legend to which I, i think is the only one that takes place outside the cabin right and then the rest of them are all inside the cabin 
And right. so the next story we get from Abed is the highly logical movie buff who knows way too much about horror movies and how would you survive it? I love this one. I, I just I love that Abed tries to work in a romance with him and Britta. By the way, they kiss. Let's just you know, even in a story, seeing Abed kiss Britta is it was a weird moment. I felt very unsure about my life in that moment. <laughs> and that was over. Yeah, it is strange. Would, would you like to do it again? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's that moment, I think, from last season where they mention that Abed is has a crush on or is interested in either Britta or Annie, but they don't say which one it is. When was that? Is that le- or unless I'm I'm pulling something from future, I hope not. Um there's a point where they make a mention of like, or the one that Abed has the hots for. I think Pierce probably says it. Okay. That there's a, they, they indicate that he's interested in one of them and, or is attracted to one of them. But then, and Britta and Abel kind of look at each other trying to figure out which one it is. I would read a book that Abed wrote like this. (laughs) I'm turned on by how logical you are. I'm comforted by your shiny hair and facial symmetry. (laughs) There's, there's a Twitter account. It's called like, bad fantasy literature or something where people just they I, it doesn't really post that much anymore but it used to and it was hilariously is just written like that like intentionally bad writing and sometimes it's so bad you go yeah i could do a whole i i could easily read a whole book of that that would be amazing i think maybe my favorite exchange in the episode is i hope you're as fertile as i am tonight more <laughs> more <laughs> I just yeah. love them standing back to back with knives. Back to back. <laughs> is the most logical thing to do. Should we go check it out? No. We should call 911 on my fully charged cell phone, lock the doors, and then stand back to back in the middle of the room holding knives. That's it. I, I love you. <laughs> Shh. <laughs> and then before we get that, they're listening to the radio. And I like how he's been always so perturbed by... How anytime in a movie or whatever you know TV show they turn on a radio or TV, there's always the the news broadcast right away. Instead, it's just this long jazz song. Uh, he starts humming it. Troy's humming it. Everybody's like, "What's going on?" It's like, "Well, it, it wouldn't come on right away. It'd come on later." <laughs> it is such a catchy tune too. And I realized while watching this episode just how ingrained in me this little tune is that I probably, I hadn't heard since I had watched these episodes. Like, and I, because I believe uh, it comes up again later. This is Daybreak. This is yeah. their famous jazz song. I think it's the first appearance, right? Yeah. Never, and I only know it from Community, and it's just so ingrained in my soul. <laughs> I, I know I read up on the story behind the song. I think it was just somebody liked this this random jazz tune and worked it into the show. And this jazz musician became like weirdly famous because of community, especially <laughs> this song, you know, like, like back when people were buying from iTunes, like that, this one song became as huge number one hit. And I actually have it on my music player. I'm not, I'm not afraid to admit that because it's probably the only jazz song I have on there. Amazing. Yeah. I love how much, both Abed and Troy just love it. Uh, <laughs> Makes you kind of wonder if this is what they wake up to in the morning. <laughs> yeah, it's probably <laughs> their alarm. Alarm clock. 
<laughs> yeah, Troy doing the little hand motions is uh. <laughs> Anyways, well, we'll be tracking Daybreak as it appears so many more times in this show. Um, but then we get to Annie's vampire story. Ooh, we we take a turn. We go into gothic romance. Edges of the screen that are kind of darkened out. By the way, I I don't know. They they do cool little effect there. Uh, but this yeah, is, there's it's like a filter on on the, her whole thing, right? Yeah, kind of an old timey edges are burned out kind of thing. So Annie's is a vampire story um, where she's a, a lass who, like I guess this is kind of Victorian era, uh, where Jeff, uh, she shows up in the cabin. Jeff's a vampire. He's feeding on. On Britta. Britta is, by the way, completely fine being fed on. <laughs> I thought that was <laughs> really good physical comedy from Britta. Just being the limp. Uh, you know, of course, this is Annie relaying it. So Annie's really putting down Britta in this whole story. I, I love that. Where he's, um, There's a line later where she says, In an aerosol mist of blood all over the skanky concubine. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to see Britta and Annie go at it again. So, yeah. So, I, what, what were you going to say? Oh, well, I, I love that. I love that whole end part. But before the the twist in the story, I love the sudden pivot to teach me to read. <laughs> just <laughs> absolutely busted laughing. Yes. <laughs> it's kind of like those romance novels, right? We'll go back to the beginning where you got... This is this is Annie. This is what she her how her brain works is yeah, she might really commit to Halloween, but at the same time her idea of romance is you know, some hot hunk that she teaches to read with the power of her mind. I love that it goes from him trying to sound out a single word to reading like scripture uh, Shakespeare in the next sentence. <laughs> yeah. Like that's how fast we cut that montage and it's so beautifully fast. Uh, but yeah, then then with the twist is Annie Annie is a werewolf, and uh, she turns into a werewolf and and takes Jeff down off screen. We just get the description of it as Annie is very graphically describing what's going on. I love that that uh, she's like, yeah, he he lived through all of it because he's a vampire, and Abed's nodding because he, <laughs> yeah. like, that checks naturally. Out, you know? <laughs> He would, his eyeball would go down into her throat and see his half digested remains. She's really gross. He ripped in. She ripped into his torso like a gerbil shredding a Quaker Oats box. <laughs> what a fantastic comparison! Some writer got paid a little extra that day <laughs> in the community. Like you can go home early. You, you. That's perfect. Thank you. I love too with all these stories that they never say who is like which character uh of the study group but everyone like i mean we're seeing it of course so we kind of know but everyone is imagining the same thing like it's clear which (laughs) character would be which person from the study group and and so it gets to like say a bit about all the characters as we go along that's so cool and pierce calls that out later yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. He gets it wrong. He thinks he's the Jeff one later. <laughs> Who's Django? I'm Django? Yeah. yeah Who's right. Jeff? <laughs> uh, Pier- Pierce in his own mind is always the center of everything. He's he's Magnum, obviously. 
He's Magnum. But before we get to to Magnum, uh, Troy Troy's story is uh, him and Abed as fighter pilots getting shot down, and Pierce as a mad scientist stitching them together. Uh, I like that when they show up. Uh, Abed Troy is carrying Abed right, and Abed's kind of you know really hurt, but he's not so hurt that he can't go pew pew pew. <laughs> I didn't so catch that. <laughs> His little subtle, you know, you're just like uh, pew pew pew. <laughs> yep, yeah, that's that's good. That's good. Uh, I've only noticed oh. just now because you mentioned the effect on uh, Annie's story that they've all got like kind of different color grading and stuff like mm-hmm. Troy's one's kind of green and and uh, kind of dark like his uh, is a B movie yeah yeah 50s B yeah. movie kind of thing That's so cool. yeah I guess we could look at all these as like different a quick dissection of different genres of horror um but yeah this th- these were always fun I always like you know the man with two brains those kind <laughs> of just what what could what horrible things could science do uh in this case they sew two people together and now they become psychic and can destroy other people with mind powers uh i I like the phrase that pierce says i'm legit jealous (laughs) (laughs) which i i must i must use that line the other one was uh i thought i heard something awesome out there that's those are good those are good ones so they they get revenge on the mad scientist by sewing his butt to his chest, and then giving him feet for hands so he can't grope his own butt, or whatever. <laughs> it gets, uh, it goes a long way very quickly. Let's say um, yes. <laughs> you kind of wonder what kind of shooting day that was for old Chevy Chase. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody there was reveling and tying down his hands and putting, or you know, putting feet on his hands and tying him to a table. Butt on your chest today, Chevy. And then we're gonna break for lunch. (laughs) Break for lunch. It's a little glimpse, uh, slightly too far into Troy's mind, which is still all about those butts. (laughs) All about the butts. He's he's got a he's got definitely a trend going. Maybe he should not have that trend. (laughs) <laughs> uh, Pierce gives his story which I don't think is so much a horror story in the traditional sense but it definitely is horrific <laughs> uh, <laughs> come back to bed Magnum you just know once you hear those words what we're in for and uh, I'm just really glad this one doesn't go too long um, where he he fights what Troy and Abed as gangbangers or whatever it is that they come in yeah and, that's uh, pretty bad <laughs> Yeah, it's not good. Abed, although Abed's little jittery laugh that he does is is, I thought it was kind of funny. It's it's so not Abed that it's. it's oh yeah, well, I just I just mean the stereotyping come to life is pretty bad. Right, the performances oh, yeah. are wonderful. Yeah, but again, this is this is Pierce's mind. If he's got to uh, come up with something, that's you know he's he's got to defend his women against the gang members. And his expensive brandy and and hubcaps. Yeah. Kind of makes me think a little bit of the, like the Fletch movies with his smoking jacket and just the way he kind of carries himself a little bit. I don't know why that's anyways, when he's, when he's uh, doing his punches and he's like, uh, (laughs) I forget it was Troy or Abba. It was like, you are still relevant. (laughs) Yeah. 
and everybody's shocked expression at the end of it like what the heck was that it's like some episode of some kind of show we're too young to have heard of (laughs) that's such a good reference (laughs) so uh so uh, pierce may not be as relevant as he thinks in his head and he does justify it being a halloween story by just going oh fine then i chopped up your bodies (laughs) yeah uh, and then we get Shirley. Shirley's story of uh, teens partying. <laughs> I like the. Uh, I love the drug references. Oh man, my drugs are wearing off, <laughs> which, which is a phrase that obviously people use in real life. Um, Britta pouring like it's like oregano <laughs> on herself, <laughs> and the and the radio going. We interrupt your death metal to bring you some heavy news. <laughs> Surely, surely, surely. Uh, we get we get the dean as the devil who comes in. Surely comes back as an, an angel who sort of protects them and then just goes, haha, just kidding. You're all going to die in the apocalypse. So this is a an apocalyptic Christian horror thing, uh, which I am weird, sadly familiar with. I was going to uh, say, I, I've read worse Christian fiction, so. I have too. I've seen it too. I, there's, there's this brand of christian horror fiction that i don't think that the makers would say oh this is a horror movie outright because those are the same kind of people i don't think would ever watch a horror movie in their entire life but they end up coming up with really bizarrely specific things like it's got to be the end of the world and all the good people gotta get whisked away so that we can just torment all the bad people for a long time and there's like this schadenfreude glee in everybody's uncomfortableness like i I did a four episode review or four movie review of the whole Thief in the Night series, which I think this might be referring a little bit to. And yeah, there's there's like a little level of, of preachiness, like there's a surface preachiness, but really under it, it's kind of like Christians just wanting their own zombie post-apocalyptic, you know, genre. And this is kind of what they latch on to. Like, I don't know. It's it's uncomfortable for me. I, again, I'm a pastor. I don't. I don't like scaring people to Jesus. I don't think that's in any way, shape or form the way you go. Uh, it's an emo- emotional manipulation. And I also think it brings out a meanness in people when they go like, aha, you know, like this is what all those evil sinners are going to get. You know, that's, that's not graceful or loving in the least, but, uh, but then again, it gives us Pilates. It's a <laughs> demon that eats your genitals. So I guess some good of it came out in the end anyways. So, you know, I don't really like those kind of movies and I don't, I, I find, I find what they're doing here funny at, at the same time. It's like, depending on who you are and what your perspective is about Christians, it's just kind of either plays into some negative stereotypes that kind of make my eye roll anyways, or, um, just kind of seem mean. So I don't, I think it's probably a little in line with Shirley's character. Cause I think she would be a dispensational a millennialist kind of character, but uh, I don't know. Anyways, that's my meandering speech that probably nobody needed to hear, and I'll shut up now. Jeff is Django. <laughs> okay, well, um, yeah, yeah. I, I find that one to be really, really funny. I think it's it. It is. Uh, I think I would. 
it only gives me a little bit of pause because they can't ever seem to bring up Shirley being religious without it also being awful. Um, and I'd kind of, I'd kind of love to see them do it a little more frequently where it just isn't only the butt of a joke, but at the same time, it's a comedy show. And yeah, I, I really do enjoy the whole Christian apocalypse horror movie thing. Oh, and I love Britta leaving the cabin. Don't worry, I'm from New York. Comes right back in, completely covered in blood, and goes, God, it's like New York out there. <laughs> yeah. It's just beautiful. I love the yeah, way they Shirley's- all commit to it. Like, yeah, all of the study group playing the, the teens is so fun to watch. Yeah, and they do, uh, they do like the locusts and stuff outside pretty well. I mean, it's just all background stuff, but it mm. genuinely looks kind of freaky out of the window there, and uh, the the red light, you know, they really go all in on the red and the, the beams and so that, you know, it's contrasted with Shirley kind of coming back in, as an angel. And <laughs> she's like, well, I'm, I'm out of here. Bye bye. You know, that kind of thing. So, yeah. And then we get uh, the Dean with a giant chainsaw. So there you go. Uh, <laughs> make that your wallpaper, people. That's what should be on your, your computer. Uh, so Britta is the mind killer. I don't know why I wrote that down. <laughs> why I write that down? Oh, uh, in the in the next uh, little flashy scene. Okay. Oh, is it because they're talking about the? Uh, they go through all the 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 tests. Well, before they go through the tests, Britta goes over all the different ways a killer might kill the people with, but he has a mask on, and then they, she removes the mask, and it's her. Oh, is yes. that what you're referring to? Yeah, I must have accidentally deleted a chunk of my notes because I'm like, why did I skip ahead to that? But okay, maybe. Um, yeah, so uh, yeah, there, there's this whole like uh, flashback where for you know who it, did Britta kill these people? Like she keeps yanking off the mask, and it kind of goes around the school instead of the cabin, but it's um. I think Jeff goes, you know, it's Chang as the killer, but he, he's actually trying to, Jeff is trying to calm people down because before that they're all talking about the test results and freaking out because there could be a homicidal maniac in their midst. And so the lights go off and that prompts everybody to get in a defensive position. Uh, Shirley smashes a bottle, which I thought I love that. Uh, maybe the same bottle from the previous episode where her, her darkest timeline lady was drunk oh it might be yeah troy is my favorite he uses pencils as wolverine claws (laughs) (laughs) and annie always graphic back or i'll slit your throats and bathe in your blood i was thinking man the good thing she doesn't have her gun in this episode (laughs) right because yeah oh may i call out one other small small joke in this yeah when brit is going through the the murders there's somebody sneaking up on her while she's reading a book, and it's War and Peace, like the mm-hmm. name of an author, W-A-R-R-E-N. It's, that tickled me. I, I don't know why that stands out to me so uh, so completely, but howled at that. I thought it was hilarious. Because in Britta's head, she doesn't. She knows of the book. Yes, exactly. She, but she, she would give herself War and Peace. <laughs> she thought it was an author's name instead of the title. Yeah, yeah. I had a roommate in college actually not ironically just read that book just you know just because like what you're reading war and peace I'm like oh is that for class no all right we're not going to be friends anymore are we nope 
that was it. That was the day. <laughs> now we're good friends. So yeah, Chang. Uh, Jeff comes up with his killer. It's Chang as the killer. Uh, <laughs> which it was kind of funny because I, I wasn't even thinking of Chang the whole episode. And then he just kind of pops up there at the end and you're like, oh yeah, Chang's in the show. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it's it was kind of a nice time. use of Chang. Good to see him. Somebody please give me a hug. Yeah, they give him a hug. And honestly, that's what Chang honestly wants. <laughs> he is somebody in desperate need of affection. Mm-hmm. So this ending part is a little weird where she talks about, okay, I ran the, the, the cheats through. It showed that one person has some tendencies and Jeff's like, you know, well, I just filled out mine randomly, right? He makes a big deal of he just did his randomly and maybe that, you know, messed it up. And then they're like, well, no, you, you did this upside down. And so she re, re figures them out and she's like, okay, well, six of you guys are insane and one of you's not, but Jeff still filled his out randomly. So his test is invalid. So that end result doesn't make sense it should be five that might have tendencies one who's sane and then jeff's give a gook nothingness right am i wrong in that is that a like they made a big deal out of this and then they just kind of went back on it all of a sudden uh, yeah that um, makes sense to me i I'm guess jeff it. is still just a, a an unknown because yeah he never filled it out for real as far as we know so who knows what jeff could really be well, I feel like it could still work. I agree that it's 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 a weird kind of inconsistency. But then I still I feel like it could still work, except for at the very end when they go and they label all the tests. And that kind of I don't want to say it tanks the episode because that's very dramatic, but like it that that really lessens my enjoyment of this episode. Hmm. The the idea that it goes from there are, you know, the idea that there's one sane person and everyone else is insane. Like, okay, that's cute. Maybe it's a little a little too cute for me, but it's fine. But then they label and Abed's the sane one, and I don't know that that whole thing. I, if they kept it a mystery, I'd be okay with it. But then them labeling them at the very end, just I don't like it. I really don't like it. Like to the. It impacts my enjoyment of the episode yeah, as a well. whole. I agree. They did that too, and it's because the character is hardly they... even about Arbed. So I was surprised. Like, oh yeah, I mean, I like Arbed, but really, uh, he's he's the only sane one. All of us. I don't know. Yeah, it doesn't work for me. I mean, didn't the characters themselves say like we just don't want to know because we'd rather live in ignorance so that we have that. Right. Soft hope that we might be the okay person. Like the one guy in the firing squad who has a blank. Yeah. I Yeah, I probably didn't need like a, a weird little reveal at the end. I, I don't know how they could have better ended the episode, but I'm sure they could have come up with like one last joke or something. Um, maybe made that into the last story and you didn't realize you were watching this story all along, but it was really, uh, you know, everybody gets killed and suddenly it's Abed dreaming or I don't know. Whatever Ooh, that's good. Do. You've done it. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> I've, I've cracked it, dude. Wide open. <laughs> yeah. uh, all right. Well, that was seven steps of horror or something. Uh, we'll, we'll go into our report card and give some analysis here. Al, why don't you don your professor spectacles, uh, chomp down on a pipe and let us have it. Well, 
This one for me is I I, re- I think there's a lot of really really funny stuff in this. I, you know every everything every every individual story is really funny. I love that the cast is clearly enjoying not playing the same people that they play every single week, and gets to just indulge in mm-hmm. some goofiness. You know, it's got kind of that Star Trek holodeck episode energy. Um, but. This doesn't land on the same level as a lot of the A stuff that I really do like. Like I don't think of this episode in the same group of episodes as as my A's. I give myself three B pluses every season. <laughs> <laughs> Did you already use one already? No, I didn't. No, I have not. Okay, okay. This was going to be one of them until it got to the end and it did that that thing where they declare Abed as the sane one. That so now we the viewer know this. It's just it's just too cutesy. It really bothers me, and so I'm still reserving my pluses. I'm going to give it a B. I'm happy with that. Parts of it deserve more than that, but overall, B. Okay, Thomas, what do you think? Yeah, I think it's a fun episode. Uh, there's a lot to like the the whole exploration of the verb Britta is great. <laughs> Which, yeah, we didn't really talk yeah, about, didn't that, talk about did we? that much, but I mean, we've kind of probably talked about it before in the past because it's just a thing. It's such a community overriding thing that has come before and will come again. Um, but yeah, in this episode, she britted it and that's that's fun to see. Um, it's fun to see the characters all kind of, uh, yeah, play different roles in all the stories they tell in this episode. And I like that, you know, we've always got the the storyteller who kind of gives each each story such a different vibe. And like I like in in Shirley's story, uh, I think I think Britta says, Anywho, <laughs> like like Shirley would, like you can still hear Shirley's voice in the story, which is fun. Uh, but yeah, I don't love this episode. And yeah, I really wonder how it would feel if it wasn't coming off last week's. But it does so many things similar to last week's episode and just none of them as exciting or thrilling or interesting, I think. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. Look, I had a good time. It's a B episode for me. Uh, not one of my favorites of this season, I think, but really just good Halloween fun. Yeah, I, I'm disappointed by this one. I, there are moments again. We we talk a lot about that. You know, there there are plenty of lines. There are little moments. There's there's some cleverness here that I appreciate. I, and I do. And so it's not something I'm gonna I'm gonna body blow this episode until it's on the ground crying for its mom. But it it doesn't feel like it comes together in in a way that I think the the writers wanted it to sometimes you just watch a show and you're like it just feels a little sloppy it feels like if they gave it a couple more passes in the writer's room this could have been tightened up and really turned into something really good and instead it feels like the first or second pass of a project that you know was due yesterday and you just need to get done and so some of this works, but it doesn't work the right way. And yeah, there's an unfortunate comparisons to previous week. But you know what? Shows don't exist in a vacuum and seasons don't and episodes don't. So, yeah, we can compare it to other episodes. And last week's episode was far, far better 
um, and and was a great character study. This one as a character study, it's interesting, but it's not really telling us anything we don't know other than Annie's got his weirdly graphic imagination when it comes to Halloween. Or she says, you know, I just, you know, it's Halloween. You got to commit to the bet. Um, there are some stories that work, some that don't. Uh, they're all so short that the problem with horror is you do need kind of a a slow burn at times to make it scary. So if they're trying to go for any sort of horror, this is more of a we're just we're just touching on the tropes, but we can't actually we don't have the time to make things scary. It's seven short stories that we're trying to jam into twenty one minutes, so that's less than three minutes a piece. That's not that's not enough time. Um, there's some uses of blood that's kind of actually shocking. Like seeing Britta with blood slathered all over her was uh, that was a moment. That was that felt weird, and it felt like the previous episode where you suddenly see Pierce just you know gushing blood. So maybe they had some extra blood from that episode, and they went like, "Yeah, we we just need to to recycle, reuse this a little bit." Uh, same with the bottle, you know, just keep reusing the stuff. So yeah, there's there's some moments, there's some really good lines. It it did make me laugh a couple times, but giving this anything higher than a C is I I just can't in good conscience. I'm I'm even tempted to give it a D, but I I don't dislike it enough wow. to give it a D. I just I'm very dis I'm always disappointed as a Halloween episode. This is probably the lowest of all the Halloween episodes in this entire show, and I'm counting season fours when we get there. <laughs> I still like that one way better than this one. The fact that they were so lazy, they didn't even get Britta into costume. Like half the cast going to a Halloween party wasn't wearing costumes. Jeff was put more effort into it than <laughs> like, what was Annie wearing? Do we remember? I think was just her anything? usual green dress. <laughs> yeah. So Annie wasn't, Shirley wasn't. And Britta wasn't. Maybe they weren't even going. To, maybe this was an all guy party for all we know. I don't know. Um, yeah, so yeah, I'm just, I'm not a huge fan of this one. It's not, I don't hate it when it comes on, but yeah, my, mm. I'm not a big fan. I would say that I, I think my MVP of the episode is probably Britta and it's nice to see Britta get, you know, such a prime time in an episode that doesn't happen very often. Yeah. The whole idea of Britta being, um, kind of a, a very awkward psych major is something I think that they get a better handle on later on. And it's right. fun to see that they're starting to explore that. Like in a way she's terrible at it, but, it, and also she's kind of good in, in a very unorthodox way. And it's right. kind of reminds I, me of like, if you ever watch Bob's burgers, you know, have you guys, you guys watch that at all? Yes. Uh, so, you know, um, uh, the guidance counselor in that, uh, Mr. Frond hmm. who is in a way like, a terrible, terrible guidance counselor, but also sometimes very committed to his work and genuinely cares. And and sometimes you, you see like he's the only member of the entire school staff who's really putting in 110% effort, even though sometimes it's just misguided and not really working the way he wants it to work. And I feel like that's Britta sometimes. She just, she, she made Britta things up, but you know what? She cares enough. To, to actually want to try to find out to be able to help whatever person maybe is, uh, is I like that she refers to herself as a practitioner of the mental arts <laughs> that's pretty good I miss that that's good that's good I did kind of think they ran that Brita Britted 
thing into the ground way too quick. They, they definitely yeah. took it as like, maybe they didn't know it was going to turn into a thing. So let's get all of our jollies out of it now. Right. Yeah. One, one or two references would have been perfect and just had the joke and moved on. So, all right, well, there you go. Uh, we'll, we'll find out from Heather what she thought of tonight's episode and, and what she thinks of, of course, the entire romance literature genre uh, we'll have her come on next week's podcast and give us a 30 minute lecture on the topic. So and then we'll get on to the next show. So that's it. Have a happy Thanksgiving, Merry Halloween, uh, a romantic Christmas and all the rest <laughs> here at the community rewatching one one podcast. And uh, we'll see you guys again in a couple weeks. Straight Boston. No cap. Faux show. Hot diggity. No. Bye guys. <laughs>